Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. Welcome to this off-season edition of the Baby Bowl Podcast. I am Wes Easley, one of your hosts over there on Twitter. You can follow me over there at Loafin' It. Don't forget to follow the show at FI Today with a little underscore, a little underscore there at the end of the FI Today. And I also have with me tonight the daddy of the Baby Bowl. Of course, I got I got the daddy of the Baby Bowl on the Baby Bowl Podcast. It is Rob Norton at Norton0723 over there on Twitter. Rob, I look forward to this introductory lesson for me about the Scott Fishbowl. And yes, Rob, I was in the Scott Fishbowl last year. I am in it again this year, but I'm going to be honest with you, and you know this about me, I had no idea what I was doing last year. I mean, I, you know, <laughs> I, I, I just had no idea. So I, I am counting on you and Pierre and my buddies to help me get everything lined up now. And so you are going to be doing an introductory lesson for me about the Scott Fishbowl. I am not pr- too proud to say that I have no clue what I'm doing half the time. Hey, that's that's all right, because there's a lot of people who can kind of say the same thing. And then and to be honest, I mean, do any of us really know what we're doing, especially in a in a in a uh, tournament of this size? So there's a lot of luck that goes into a tournament this big. Uh, when I think of this tournament, it's kind of like a a world all on its own, isn't it? I mean, it's just it's just. I don't want to say it's strange or it's weird because, but it, but it is kind of strange and weird. But that's a derogatory remark about it, and I don't mean that in any way. I just mean like you have got fantasy football leagues, you've got redrafts, you've got these other. But the Scott Fishbowl just stands out all by itself. It's like a whole other planet out there that NASA has found or something. I believe. <laughs> right, that's pretty much what it feels like. But yeah, it uh, it's definitely it takes on a life of its own. It's huge every year. It seems like it gets bigger every year, and um, you know, it's definitely just a a great a great you know tournament to and and league to be in, and um, it really kind of brings the community together in terms of just bring it bringing people together for a great cause and donations and everything else, and and really kind of like connects people a lot. So um, yeah, it's a great thing that Scott does. Yeah, no, and and look, we uh, put on the Baby Bowl every year. I say we. I'm a little part of this. You let me. You allowed me to be a crazy uncle in the Baby Bowl, and you're the daddy <laughs> of the Baby Bowl. But you put on this each and every year, and you've watched it grow uh, uh, several hundreds. I, I, well, hundred uh, percent every year. It seems like it grows whenever I've been with you. Anyway, and that's been fun to watch it grow. I can't imagine how Scott Fish coordinates all this. And I know he's got a lot of help to do it. I, I couldn't even begin to tell you because I get lost whenever I start looking at all those chats and all the different people that have been assisting Scott all along the way. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely definitely a big undertaking. Um, like you said, we, even with Baby Bowl for me. Um, it's a, it, it's a lot, a lot of work. And so it's not even, you know, a 10th the size really of, of Scott Fishbowl. So I'm sure it's a, a lot on his plate. And listen, that's something I want to do, start doing now because I want to start pushing the baby bowl a little bit. And I know you don't officially start pushing the baby bowl until after all the dust settles from the Scott Fishbowl here in a couple of weeks. But we got to start uh, attaching the baby bowl to the tweets that we put out about like this show and everything like that. Because the baby bowl is a fun, unique event that you put on each and every year where it's that elimination kind of tournament season long thing. And, it, and it's almost just setting your lineups once and then you lose those players. And it happens each and every week throughout the regular season and then there's a baby bowl playoffs as well but what i like about yours as well rob is that 
when you donate, you donate to charity as an entry fee, but you also half of it goes to into the prize pool. And so people get that prize pool back if they win a week or even finish in the top, what, five uh, in the regular season or something like that. Yeah, definitely. So top five is uh, generally what the payout is for um, if there's less than 100 people. If there's more than 100 people, um, it ups to top 10. Um and then there's a weekly prize for the high score and um but yeah so that and then it's all broken down based on percentages um and depending on how many people we get so it definitely um definitely is is a fun and unique kind of uh tournament in itself too that you know we do try to do some good as well yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's on your pinned tweet at Norton0723. It's over there on the pinned tweet, too, of F- uh, Fantasy Impact Today's Twitter handle at FI Today with a little underscore. Uh, and so we'll attach that one of those one of those tweets to this show as well whenever we whenever we put it out. Hey, Rob, I want to do a little introductory thing because I have some questions. and We put it out there on Twitter for some questions as well. Let me just ask you this. Uh, first of all, I, I got the email from Scott Fish, and and then I think that I need to sign up like again for everything. Do I, I, it's like I entered once, and now I got to enter again. Do I, I, got, I got to put it in there on my fantasy league? Is that what I have to do? So, yeah. So if you are in one of the non live drafts like if you're on a my fantasy league um league because the the live drafts is different because it's on sleeper and things but so if it, if you're on the my fantasy league basically what you got to do is essentially you know you they'll send you the the invite um and then you kind of wait for another email where the the other email should have a have a link to my fantasy league so um, at least that's how it was last year. I know I saw Scott said something on Twitter about he might be doing a little bit different this year. Um, but yeah, I would just basically keep an eye out for another um, email with a link to my fantasy league. That way you can link into your correct league. Okay. All right. I, I'll do that. What do you mean that it has like two different things, a sleeper and a my fantasy league for the live drafts? I don't think I'm doing a live draft. I have been put in the Brussels division so uh, i don't don't think i'm going to brussels anytime soon i haven't scheduled a trip there or anything uh but i'll be happy to go i'll be happy to go but uh i'm in the brussels division where where are you so i'm in the live um draft in canton um coming up in uh, yeah this saturday so i think we have yeah we have 36 people um so there's gonna be three separate leagues that are drafting live. Um, we have the, we're be drafting at the hall of fame from two to four. And, um, so yeah, that, that, that's going to be fun for sure. And meeting everyone and then getting to draft live and see on those drafts, it's going to be done through sleeper. And, um, we are actually going to draft our teams through sleeper and oh, I guess cool. play through the year on sleeper. Um, so there is like slight differences, um, but yeah, I'm not sure how Scott's going to go ahead and combine them when it, when it comes down to it, but I know that we're definitely doing, uh, doing sleeper for the live drafts. And so there, I think there might be a couple other ones that we're going to be doing sleeper, but most of them all, unless most of the ones that are the slow drafts online, like the been in years past are going to be on my fantasy league. 
Oh boy, uh, that that sounds like a lot of fun to be able to get with all those people and do it. I can't believe your wife is letting you go to Canton all by your little self. I know. Uh, I know. <laughs> to do a live draft. That's <laughs> cool though. You get to meet all those people and everything. Have you met a lot of those folks? I guess they're all people in your area. Uh, that. that See, so most of them, yeah, most of them are in the area. Um, that's kind of how we broke down divisions. Um, uh, since Scott's, I think the theme of this year is kind of connecting with people. Um, so that's what he was kind of trying to get, like a lot of people, similar regions to get, get, you know, more connections of people that could actually kind of connect outside of mm-hmm. um, online more often. So um, like my division of the three, I'm in the um, Ohio division since I'm Northeast Ohio. So a lot of the um, people in my division are, you know, kind of near me, probably within 15, 20 minutes, actually, uh, drive time. Yeah. So, um, I know there's some, some people from, you know, 10, 15 minutes away from me and, uh, a lot of us. So I've actually never met any of them in person before. Um, I talked to a few, a few have been in the baby, baby ball. Um, like, uh, I don't know if you remember, um, Mario, his name was Mario camera. And uh, he he's he's in there. Um, I've been talking to him. Look forward to meeting meeting up with him. Uh, Wyatt, I don't remember Wyatt B. Wyatt Bertolone. Um, he's uh he's in there as well. Um, oh, Wyatt. Yeah, and so that the uh, there, but there is the, one of the divisions is actually um, a lot of people from you know coming up from out of state. Some of the people are coming from uh, Pennsylvania, so it's not like too far of a drive, but. Yeah, some some of the people are actually coming in from out of state. Some people are said they were uh, they used to live here. Now they're out of town, but they're they're planning a trip around it to come visit like family, and then <laughs> you know they're going to visit family during that time so they can draft and then um, visit family. So that's really cool too. So it'll be it'll be interesting. It's going to be a lot of fun. Now I just went to my emails. I got that second email from Scott Fish, and uh, I I did the whole copying and pasting in my my browser and everything it brought me up to find out my fantasy league still remembered my password bam i'm in buddy i just signed i i don't want to say signed up again but i'm into my fantasy league and that's really cool to have that now i look at all these little tabs they have up here and i'm going to put a shout out to our buddy what's it what's his name jeff bell is that his name how, how has the bell tolls or, or how's it do you remember yeah i think it's for whom the bell tolls i think it's for what whom it is the bell tolls that's right for mm-hmm. whom uh he put out a little uh uh, for at for whom Jay Bell tolls, he he put out a little thing about how to navigate through the My Fantasy League, and Jeff Jeff probably knew. I mean, I'm just gonna say Jeff knows my my abilities on My Fantasy League or some <laughs> some of those different apps. I don't know which buttons to mash and everything. So he had to be thinking of people like me who get a little scared at new apps and everything. So I, I'm all ready to go. I'm gonna watch Jeff Bell's tweet, and I'm gonna be able to navigate through that My Fantasy League. Now, whenever you show up to Canton. Are you guys all supposed to wear like one of these Scott Fish t-shirts? I don't even know where to go to buy one of these Scott Fish t-shirts, Rob. You got to help me out with this. So, yeah, um, you can uh, check out RotoWare and also, Roto-Ware, okay. yeah, also uh, Scott, Scott has been tweeting it out, tweeting it out a lot of times. Um, and I believe a lot of the stuff goes to, uh, goes to charity too. So, so when you buy them, you know, you can know that a lot of it, a lot of the money should be going to charity, and but yeah, I saw I so I saw some pictures uh, from the live drafts in in Chicago and uh, Atlanta, and a lot of people were wearing them. Um, 
I'd probably wear it if I if I ended up getting one, but I didn't I didn't uh I didn't end up getting one in time. Um so so yeah, I'll be probably uh I'll be sporting either a uh one of my two jerseys that I have, and that's a, well, that's a I, Deshaun Watson jersey, Rob. People like yeah. that a lot. Uh, no, <laughs> I'm I, sure, I, I'm I sure they will. Roto-Wire, I just pulled it up here, or Roto-Wire, Roto-Wire, and I put in Scott Fishbowl, and bam, I am right here with all these different things. I suppose you keep mentioning Scott's name, and uh, maybe I need to follow him on Twitter. <laughs> I think I do. <laughs> I, I probably, I'm almost positive I do. But uh, I, that seems like I need to put a little notifications up for his tweets or something like that so I don't miss out on anything. Boy, it'd be real nice if we had one of these on Baby Bowl, Rob. It'd be, you know, a Baby Bowl t-shirt. Would be really cool, kind of cool. I'm just, I'm just going to mention that a little bit here. Just, but, all right. So this, I got this. All right. So I have the T-shirt. Uh, another a question that we had that we put out there on Twitter. One of these things is, uh, what about the avatars or the banners? How, what, how do people go about getting those? So, you can look up SFB. Um, I'm trying to remember the name, Avi. SFB Avi Makers. That's what it is. Oh, um, my so tabs. At, I'm gonna. My, my computer's gonna crash. <laughs> right. It's um at SFB underscore Avi Makers, and they've been putting out. You know, if you just go to their page and scroll down, you'll see they've been putting out tons of different um different avatars, and so yeah, just I would I would just follow them, DM them, ask them. You know, if you if you're interested in in getting a have you done by them they've been putting out a lot of cool stuff uh people have been really excited about it it's really really cool looking a lot of the stuff so so yeah um i would i would go there and uh see what they can do for you usually there it's a turnaround is pretty quick too it seems like so um they most people have been saying they're getting theirs back within within a week so no, I just did that online. Again, I just typed it in a little computer here, SFB Avi Makers, and bam, it's right there on there. Tons of, wow, look at all these graphics they got there. That is fantastic. Yeah, cool stuff. I got one last year. I think uh, our, our friend uh, Jordan Poole, what's his name, Poole? Jordan, Jordan Lupe, 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 yeah, Lupe. Lupe. Yeah. Hey. He uh, he ended up finding a way to make mine for me through this. He's I think he's one of these Avi makers, so that's really cool to be able to have that. Uh, I'm just going to put it in this year and let whoever I'm going to let whatever whatever I'm going to make it as simple as possible here. So uh, I got this, and some of this goes to charity too. So we got a couple of different charities right there. But is there another way to get charities? like to donate to a charity that whatever Scott Fish is doing. I think I read in my initial email that he says, hey, you could donate here. But also, if you if you feel led, just go ahead and donate to a, a charity of your liking as well. I, I really like that. I really like that attitude. Yeah, that's definitely a cool part about it is, um, you know, if you have anything that you're really passionate about um, and any kind of any kind of char- charity that you kind of, you know, like to donate anyways to or, or you know, this this uh he he really likes to give people the option um of either donating to you know like the the stuff that he puts out and he's passionate about or you know just do your own thing um i know i know for the uh for the canton one um a lot of us i think we're we're all donating you know at least a certain amount to the hall of fame um just like in it as a as a way to you know kind of thank them for renting out the room and things like that to us and um 
so so yeah there's that's that's one thing and i know a lot of uh a lot of groups kind of are you know get, if you get in those group chats and whether it's the 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 division group chats or the draft slot group chats they have a lot of cool you know information about um you know people are coming up with different ideas among themselves on on way cool ways to donate to different places Okay. All right. So that, that is pretty cool just to hear all those different things. Uh, what you're mentioning all these different chat rooms and yes, I've been put into this Brussels chat room over there on Twitter. Are there other chat rooms? Are there, are there other things that people like your your first timers could go into? And I've heard that there are like little chats for which draft position you're in and stuff. And by the way, Rob, I'm, I'm drafting from the second spot this year, second spot. What, what, what spot are you drafting from? I am drafting from the nine spot, so which is different from last year. I was I was drafting out of the five slot, so um, it'll be a little bit a little bit different. Yeah, uh, I'll be depending on you to help me make my third round pick next week. I'll just I'll, I'll be honest with you. Every time I get to the third round, I kind of get lost. You know, I'm like, oh boy, <laughs> a lot of pressure here. Oh no! So I get I get kind of scared after that third round. I start sweating, sweating, man. Uh, all right. So is there are there other chat rooms? Yeah, yeah. So really um this is a yeah, this is another one where definitely look Scott tweeted something out recently. Um and if you just scroll down, he tweeted out something about uh making he made a thread where he said something about if they if you have a group chat for for uh for draft slots, um just go ahead and drop them here and um, so I think there's been a lot of, a lot of, um, a lot of different, like people have been posting the, posting the group chats. And so, if, and also if anyone is in nine that wants to be in the group chat, you can always DM me cause I'm in there. Um, and I'll get you in there. And, um, but yeah, if you know, basically if you know of anyone that's in a, in a chat, just DM them, ask them and worse comes to worse. If you, if you don't really know, just tweet out. You know, something like, hey, I'm in the I'm in the number two slot and I'm looking to get into the the number two slot draft uh, draft chat uh, for and then put the hashtag SFB12 and probably someone's going to come and help you. Well, it sounds so easy, but I, <laughs> there's so yeah. much. I, I, turned, I turned 50 about two weeks ago, Rob. Do you know you're speaking like a whole foreign language to me right now? I have all these different <laughs> things to do. Okay, I'm writing all this down. Got little check marks here. Uh, let's see. Our buddy Drew had a question, I think, in the Baby Bowl chat that you started up last year. Let's see if I can't pull that up. I had it pulled up, and now I have all these different things pulled up. You don't have it right there in front of you, do you? Let's see. I got it here. Oh, I'm going to get you. I'm going to get it before you. I am being very fast tonight with the, uh, the internet thing. I got it up if you're ready. Oh, uh, yes, I do too. But you can go right Okay, ahead. go ahead. Oh, here's a good one. I think I've checked most of the boxes. Best ball via weekly lineups being that many first timers were in SFB satellites in years past. What are the important differences between those satellites and the SFB 12 main event? How should draft strategies change to reflect them? So, yeah. So in terms of that, I haven't been in the satellites, but from my understanding of the satellites, was that they were best ball. Um, okay. So, you know, when you're drafting best ball versus drafting a, you know, regular 
kind of weekly lineup setting league, um, there's a few things that you really want to make sure uh, that there's there's a few differences. So in a regular, you know, weekly lineup setting league, obviously each week you're going to be able to do waivers, waiver claims, fab uh, bidding on your on your guys. So in that sense, you can really load up on guys like that are just really high upside that like what I like to do is I'll load up on a lot of high upside running backs, maybe late in drafts. And if they, if their if their guy goes down right away, um, like if the starter goes down right away and they jump into value, that's, mm-hmm. I just saved myself um, a lot of fab on, on guys like that. Now, if not, I have no problem dropping them for, for any like uh, free agent that I may need. Um, so, you know, with the difference in drafting that versus versus the satellites in the satellites, you really don't want to load up super heavy on one category or one position or anything like that. You want to make sure you have that balance um, You because the whole year you're not going to be able to pick up anyone. So you want to make sure you have three to four quarterbacks. You want to make sure you have, you know, eight to ten running backs, eight to ten receivers and, you know, th- three to four tight ends and and those numbers will kind of fluctuate a little bit depending on how early you draft uh quarterbacks and tight ends um the earlier you go on them the less less you're going to need um but yeah being a best ball uh definitely definitely changes the strategy a lot and changes the draft strategy yeah i could i could understand that uh i like that i've been really getting into the best ball rooms there a little bit uh here and there all right okay so those were kind of some of the initial questions that we got in for the introductory lessons into the Scott fishbowl and how to participate in it, how to enjoy it, how to get part of those avatars, uh, t-shirts and everything. Uh, let me ask you this, Rob, uh, what about these mock draft rooms? I haven't really been able to find a mock draft room for this in particular. I found some that kind of do it, but then I, I just kind of scroll through that, that flip in round three or whatever it's called. I don't, I don't know what it's called. Ro- round reversal or something like that, or mm-hmm. the draft reversal. So I just kind of flip and I scroll down about 10 places and I go ahead and pick somebody from down there to kind of do that. But is there Scott fishbowl mock draft rooms too? Yeah. Yeah. There's really? um, yeah. And, and a lot of them. So, you know, if you, if you, just type in the like in the in the search bar on Twitter the hashtag SFB12. You'll probably and you just scroll. You'll probably find some because people are you know constantly putting them out there. But again, that's another one of the advantages of being in those those uh, group chats. Like I'm in the SFB12 Canton Live Draft group chat. I'm also in the the not the graph or the draft slot nine group group chat. And in the draft slot nine group chat, there's like seventy some people. And they're, you know, constantly putting up people are always wanting to do the mock drafts to get ready for it, you know. So they're they're constantly dropping in links to uh different mock drafts. And I saw some earlier where they had like automated mock drafts that they were they were kind of doing. Um and then I saw some, you know, I, I was actually just in one in one a little bit ago myself, um uh, with with some of the guys, uh some 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 of our guys, Popes was in it. And, uh, um, you know, some of the guys from, uh, like Mario and those guys. So, uh, yeah, it, there's, there's constantly Scott fishbowl mock drafts going on. Most of them are on sleeper. 
which uh, if, if anyone hasn't used Sleeper before, it's, I mean, it's, I think it's really user-friendly, really easy learning curve to pick up. So the mock okay. drafts are really nice on there. Okay. All right. So I'll do that. That's a, important to use the hashtag too, right? Hashtag SFB12. Yes. That's important to do. And you could search all kinds of things. Uh, the ADPs, Pierre and I kind of went over that a little bit last night on the DFS Streamer podcast. We're uh, going for two. Going for two, I think, is the name of the website there. Uh, he, we we kind of looked at those ADPs there. So those Scott Fishbowl ADPs are out there as well. And you're doing the live draft. Rob, Rob, that's like all of my questions that I had. That 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 is it. That that are those are the questions we got from Twitter. Those are my questions. Those are Drew's questions. Is there anything that you don't think that we covered that we should cover for somebody just first getting introduced to it, or a fifty-year-old man in his second year of the Scott Fish Bowl? No, I mean we pretty much hit most of it. I would say you know for anyone, you know the name of the game is just having fun, connecting with people. Um, you know, anyone doing the live drafts, that should be should be you know a really fun experience. Um, getting to meet up with people and um, everyone who's excited about doing these drafts. You know, everyone's all there for the same reason to have fun, donate, and and have a good time drafting. So um, it should be should be really fun. And then um, yeah, when you're in the uh, when you're in any of the chats, when you're in when you're in the uh, you know the draft itself and and different things, just I just participate as much as possible really um you know i feel like i've got to know or got to talk to a lot of different people throughout uh just through this so it's 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 written really cool and you know you'll find you know there's hundreds and thousands of people that are just as passionate and, and excited about the same kind of things you are so it's 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 really fun so just yeah basically have fun uh ask your questions to whatever questions you have People are always willing to help out and super responsive. So any questions you have, don't hesitate to ask anyone. Um, and yeah, that's it. Have fun. There, I in my uh, in my little chat that I have with the people from Brussels. I said, hey, you know, here's here's uh, the show Pierre and I did kind of about our Scott Fish Bowl last night. If anybody wants to take a listen, you guys can cheat off of everything I said or at least fade everything. That's probably the smarter thing to do, right? And uh, I said, if anybody there in the chat kind of wants to get on a podcast, maybe we could arrange it a little bit. Uh, just extending that invitation. And, and just to let you know, Rob, be careful here whenever you say things like that. There's a guy from Belgium who's a regular podcaster, Dirk Van Dergerberg. For Dirk? Vandenberg, that's what that's what it would be. Dirk Vandenberg, and uh, he said he'd be willing to come on. So I don't know how we're going to do this. I know we had those scheduling conflicts whenever we had uh, the guy from Hawaii on. Whenever we had him on, so I don't know what's going to end up happening if we end up with a guy from Mole Belgi. I guess that's Belgium, Belgi. I think so. I think so. I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know I, for sure. <laughs> but know. yeah, no. Yeah, that that'll be cool though. That'll be cool. So it's it's cool. It was cool like with with Juan. I mean, obviously it's tough sometimes with the time difference, but um if it works out, it's it's really cool to meet different people from like especially from different parts of the world. Boy, that will be fun. Uh, they also put in there like a European fantasy football contest where another charity event that's going on over in Europe. And I was invited to be in that one. I'm going, I don't know. I, you guys try to take my money or something. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> I get so scared. I get so nervous. I'm 50 years old. I'm, I'm such an old man. Hey, Rob, uh, one of the things I wanted to ask you about, we got into those average draft positions last week and we were talking about wide receivers. I think we talked about quarterbacks a little bit. We didn't really, did, did we talk? 
touch on running backs at all last week? I know we talked about wide receivers, but I, I, I haven't. I don't think that we've talked much about the uh, running backs over the last month and how the draft position has changed. I was gonna say I don't think we we talked too much about um, running backs or tight ends with the with the draft. All right, so we're going to do that here, and at Nord0723 is always a great source of information, not only for Scott Fishbowl, but also for football as well. Uh, I'd imagine here Rob's going to start writing a tons of articles, not that he ever takes a break from writing articles, but just a ton of articles coming out real soon. I haven't seen a lot of different uh, little, little uh, what, what do you call them, little banners I haven't seen a lot of those coming from you, Rob. I'm a little disappointed. I, maybe it's just me on a different Twitter world right now. But I haven't seen a lot of graphics coming out with your rankings and different things like that. I, I'm a little disappointed. I know. I know. I've been slacking a little bit. I've been really, really having the fantasy baseball, I'll admit. So um, I'm planning on I'm planning on soon um, starting to get my, uh, my, my rankings going, those graphics that I like to put out um, of position – position rankings by tiers and um so i'm planning on dropping those probably probably in the next few weeks um i haven't actually started making them but usually once i start making them really sitting down i, I kind of fly through it because i really really get really get into it so um i'm hoping next few weeks i'll, I'll be able to drop those out there and uh from that point it'll kind of springboard me into doing doing more for baby bowl and doing more for like write, writing articles and things yeah, make sure you're following him at Norton0723 over there on Twitter. You can follow me as well at Loafinit. And don't forget to follow the show at FI Today with a little underscore. And please make sure you like to subscribe to the podcast, uh, leave a review. It really helps out the show whenever you do those things. And, and Robbie, you talked about fantasy baseball. You don't, you don't see my wife anywhere, do you? Not, not, not yet. Well, that's a good thing that you don't see my wife anywhere because she's here at my house <laughs> and you're at your house. So that's a, that's a good thing. But I, I, I ended up taking over a little fantasy dynasty league in baseball that, that somebody abandoned and some, they asked me to take it over. So I did. And so now I have another league in baseball. These things are accumulating so fast, man. Is there, Hey, that's, that was another question that I had. Is there like a website that just puts all these things together? So I don't have to continue to go to all these places and it kind of just puts all my teams in one spot. Is there something like that? And even for the Scott fishbowl draft, I know my fantasy league sometimes, there's a little struggle in trying to do that on my phone. Is there another app that kind of does this where you can import your team to that so you can see maybe the draft board a little bit easier? Yeah. So yeah, I was going to say, I have, I have the same issue with a lot of things accumulating uh, quickly. So um, there's a, there's a, like a, I believe fantasy pros has a, my playbook op- op- option. Um, oh. I think it's, I think it's pay. I think you have to pay for for uh, that, um, but you can also like a lot of times what you can do too is if you're if you haven't done any of the uh, like FanDuel, Underdog, or or Yahoo Fantasy, you can deposit mm-hmm. and get free six months of a Hall of Fame subscription, which will get you that. Um, but yeah, what happens is they have they have a My Leagues uh, thing, and then you can import from basically all the all the major sites, ESPN, Yahoo, CBS, I believe my fantasy league is one of them. Um, you know, all the ones that most, most people generally play on, you can import and it kind of makes it easier. Um, they have a, di- a bunch of different tools that will help you kind of see your players across multiple leagues better um, and multiple platforms of leagues. And then also you can, it, it will kind of show you like 
free agents available in certain leagues and different things like that. So they do have some cool things there. I, I think um, NBC Sports Edge also has a similar option. Um, most of them, most of them, you got to pay for. Uh, but yeah, there, there is those options out there that that can consolidate your things and make it make a managing a lot of leagues easier. Well, I have to check out that Fantasy Pros one for sure. They use a lot of colors whenever they do stuff. And you know mm-hmm. I like a lot of colors on my pages here. All right, let's look at these <laughs> running backs and the average draft position over the last month or so from 6'1 to 6'30 anyway. And Jonathan Taylor, no doubt, going number one. But Christian McCaffrey, who I believe had kind of started out at, at around that five range or four range, he's all the way up to number two right now. And Austin Eckler is number three. Out of those top three, Rob, I, I not – talking any specific type of platform or or gameplay not you know not best ball or anything because i talked a couple of weeks ago about how it was really easy to build a charger stack whenever if you were picking in that top three to take austin eckler and you could really get a nice looking charger stack in best ball but just in uh ppr redraft leagues who would you rather take out of those three taylor mccaffrey and eckler mccaffrey for me um all day every day even with his injury history yeah, I'm not the type. So I, 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 I think I'm at. Hello. There you are. Hey, Wes, can you hear me? Yep. Okay. So, so in terms of McCaffrey, um. I've mentioned it before with with different guys that to me there's a difference between injury prone, injury plagued, and he's been more injury plagued. Um, even uh, most of the, there there's one there's one doctor I've seen that kind of is really downgrading him a lot. Um, but most of the ones I've seen that have, have kind of mentioned it, it's similar to when Eckler had been hurt a little bit earlier in his career, and I mean we saw what Eckler did last year. So um, McCaffrey also. It's just a different level of player. I mean, when he's he, I, I tweeted something the other day that like he's basically. I mean, if you go position by position, and he's one of the only ones where I would say, man, if Christian McCaffrey just stays healthy, he's near a lock to be the top overall player or the top player at his position. I mean, um, you could make the argument, I guess, for for Kelsey, um, but Andrew is just did what he did. Pitts is on the rise. Um, you could make an argument for Cup, but I think a lot of the thing with McCaffrey versus Jonathan Taylor, it's not that I don't like Taylor. He's my number two ranked guy, um, but he caught, I think, 40 some passes last year. Um, and last year his points per game was the lowest for a running back that finished one of one overall since 2015 and Devonte Freeman. And it's just the fact that if he catches 40 passes and Christian McCaffrey catches 110 passes, that's 70, 70 passes, that's 70 points just, just on passes alone. And then you got to account for obviously if he catches 110, he's going for a lot more receiving yards too. So, but even if you just take 70 points, that's that's 700 yards rushing. He has to outrush McCaffrey by just to make up the points from the catches. And then you take the yards receiving. And if he has four, let's just say 
600 yards receiving more. That's that's 10 extra touchdowns that he has to have. So he's got to outrush him by 700 yards and have 10 extra touchdowns just to tie him. Mm. And it's it's McCaffrey's just I mean he's just when he's healthy, the workload he gets especially in the passing game, it's it's unlike we've ever really seen. I mean, he's just he's just unfair and so okay. um McCaffrey for me is like the guy and I, I don't knock down people if he's fully healthy heading in if he if there's any word of lingering injuries like if he's if he's out there and they're saying oh this injury is ling- lingering kind of like we see with Michael Thomas mm-hmm. where we'd expect Michael Thomas to be healthy I mean considering it's an ankle injury and he's had a whole offseason but we're seeing right now that he's still not out there practicing and things like that that's when a guy to me is currently not healthy because he's not out there playing. But if McCaffrey's out there practicing fully, out there playing fully, and there's no reason to think that he's anywhere near compromised, I'm not going to predict that he's going to get hurt because like we saw last year, Derrick Henry was what everyone thought was the safest guy. He has holds up to a workload every year. He's a tank. He's built different. He's a monster. And then what does he do? He goes and gets hurt. Eckler, one of the smallest guys out there who everyone says is not durable, doesn't get hurt. Mixon, everyone said not durable, doesn't get hurt. So I don't want to get into like like trying to predict who is going to get hurt, who isn't going to get hurt. So once I, I try to take that out of the equation, assuming, assuming, which is a big asterisk, they're currently healthy heading in. Okay. All right. Now, I also want to factor into this as well that we have got two new quarterbacks here with Jonathan Taylor. You got Matt mm-hmm. Ryan, and I'm just going to tell you, Matt Ryan's a check down king. Okay. I don't mm-hmm. know if that means Naheem Hines' value goes up and Jonathan Taylor's goes down. I think they're, Pierre keeps insisting that they're going to trust the passing game a little bit more, that they took the ball out of Carson Wentz's hand and deflated that ball a little bit. And that's why Jonathan Taylor got so many more opportunities in the rushing game than other running backs did in the league last year. And so this year, I know Matt Ryan. I know Matt Ryan. I don't know if they're going to pass the ball to Jonathan Taylor or if they're going to look to preserve some of the tire some of the tread on his tires for a long extended period of time and try to get the ball into an explosive player's hands like Naheem Hines so there's a little quarterback change there we got Christian McCaffrey also going through a quarterback change with Baker Mayfield now Baker knows how to check that ball down too a little bit I think that was I I got that newsletter from Odell Beckham Jr.'s father as well Uh, so (laughs) I've heard that he likes to check the ball down so that might be a really good thing for Christian McCaffrey but I don't think that that really is going to boost him and you can't boost Christian McCaffrey's receiving yeah. yards any further you know what I mean like I, I'm not even factoring that Austin Eckler though to me is the most secure out of all these guys the offense hasn't really changed much there's nothing new there in the field and they already have a great dynamic between uh, a connection between Justin Herbert and Austin Eckler to me Austin Eckler has got the safest floor out of all these guys uh, but Christian McCaffrey definitely has that that high high super high ceiling as well yeah no, I agree, I agree with you on that, and and honestly, I have all three of those guys all in the same tier, and they're all they're all the top tier for me. Like after that, then you get when you once you get after after Eckler, Taylor, and McCaffrey, you can start having question marks pretty much for anyone else. The only question marks you have for any of those top three is do they stay healthy? Pretty much, I mean, because they're you, they're all going to get the workload. Like you said, Taylor is a little bit you know, of, of a question mark, what, what kind of workload that's going to be, whether it's going to be a downtick in, in carries and an uptick in, in, uh, passing, which would actually be better for him. Sure. Um, and then like you said, with Eckler, you know, he's got the continuity, he's got the great offense. Uh, he showed what he, 
did last year. You know how he's going to be involved. You know he's an amazing in the passing game, and and he has a an amazing quarterback. Um, so yeah, all three of those guys. I don't have a problem with anyone taking any of the any of the three in that order. And in like most drafts for me, they're going to be my one, two, three overall. And um, if I'm picking picking in one, two, or three, I'm pretty much going to get one of those three no matter what. And and if any of those, if I'm picking like four, five, six, anywhere in there, and those guys are available. I'm taking those guys pretty much before anyone else, so I okay. love all three. I gotta ask you this then, because I gotta switch gears now over to the over mm-hmm. to the Scott Fishbowl. You say you're gonna if you're picking one, two, or three. I pick it two in the Scott Fishbowl, not a redraft <laughs> league, not a PPR league. So I gotta pick a quarterback, right? Because if I when it yeah. gets to when it gets to two, the quarterback when it gets to uh, round two, the quarterbacks that I want may not be there, or I need may not be there. I should say not that I want I, that I need may not be there. And then by the time round three rolls around, I, I'm looking at Davis Mills being my QB one at that point, right? <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, that's and that's the thing is that in Superflex it's different for sure. Okay. Um, and and Scott Fish Bowls being being basically Superflex. Um, you don't have to you don't have to flex a second quarterback, and honestly. I've seen a lot of studies that show that if you're if after a certain level of quarterback, it's kind of detrimental to because of the the negative for incompletions. So, and interceptions. Um, yeah, and interceptions and things like that. And so, um, but yeah, it, those top quarterbacks are he he does it on purpose to where the it makes the top quarterback so valuable because in real life they're so valuable. So, um, and I think it's really cool the way it's the way it is. So, yeah, if I was in the top, probably. Five, I think I would be leaning quarterback no matter what. Um, yeah. And at the top, but yeah, at two, I'm pretty much taking probably Josh Allen or Mahomes. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be upset if you wanted to take Herbert or you know if you really love Lamar, Kyler. Those guys are all li- really high, high upside, high floor kind of options. So, so all of them are really good. So my strategy last year of having Daniel Jones, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Ben Roethlisberger as my QB one, two, three there was probably not 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 the greatest of ideas. I, I was trying to differentiate <laughs> myself from the crowd. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, I it's, did. It's, I uh, did that. It's a bold strategy. I differentiated. Yeah, I, I finished in the double digits of my league too. I think last year <laughs> as well. Uh, Najee Harris, Derek Henry, Dalvin Cook, Joe Mixon, DeAndre Swift are putting back our redraft hats, our PPR redraft hats. Najee Harris. Derrick Henry, Dalvin Cook, Joe Mixon, DeAndre Siff. When I when I look at this draft order, I don't like Najee Harris going four over the top of a Dalvin Cook or even a Joe Mixon, who I think I think Dalvin Cook and Joe Mixon should be above Najee, Derrick Henry, and DeAndre Swift. When I look at those uh, the other three guys there, I don't even know that I like DeAndre Swift in that position. That's just me. Always, you talk about the prone, or you know, is it just one of those things that he just kind of gets injured? Look, I haven't seen DeAndre Swift stay on the field for very long. Yeah, no, that's understandable. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm kind of the same way. Last year, I loved Najee, uh, Najee, Eckler, and and Mixon were the three guys I drafted most, and a lot of times they were going late first to late second. Um, but now, you know, you see them all pushed up um, after coming off of great mm-hmm. years, Najee. I agree. I have Dalvin ahead of Najee. Um, I think people are just going off. They're just looking at last year and they're saying, well, he was a rookie. He, he's going to get better. Um, yeah, he may get better as a player, maybe a little bit more efficient, but there's no.
for me is going from Ben Roethlisberger to Pickett slash um, Mitch. Mitch. And uh, yeah, so the and the and the thing is, is like Ben wasn't good last year, but the thing that Ben did is that when when he got pressured, he checked down. Um, no, he Mitch, didn't. It wasn't a check down. Yeah. That was as far as he could throw it. Okay, that's, <laughs> that's that. That could be true too. So that, but either way, that worked out to the benefit of Najee Harris because it was the short passes. Now, the thing is, um, Mitch and Pickett may end up being like a little bit better and more efficient than than Ben is. I don't know how much better. I don't expect a whole lot better. <laughs> but the pro the problem is is that even if they get pressured they're not going to check down at the same rate that Ben is because both of those guys, even though they're not, you know, we don't know what they are. We don't know what Pickett is. And we've seen Trubisky a little bit. He's been up and down and, and, uh, but both of them have more athleticism than Ben Roethlisberger at this point. Both of them are going to take off and, and flee the pocket far more than Roethlisberger did. And just look around the league, any, any running quarterback, go and look at their, the amount of uh, check down rate and almost all of them are near the bottom because they don't check down as much as they break the uh, break contain and run. So Najee's, you know, I think he has like 94 or like 90 some and targets and like 70 some catches. I see those catches coming down to 50 or less. I mean, and you think about it, he already had 10 touchdowns last year. Yeah. He led the league in volume. I mean, I don't see it going up in volume. So I don't Najee know Harris. where else he has to go, but down. Yeah, Najee Harris. I, I watched him at Alabama, of course, and yes, he was a little mini Derrick Henry. That's kind of what I always put him as. But when I say that, he he's not as fast as Derrick Henry. He's not as strong as Derrick Henry. He has the elusiveness that uh, a, a lot of he's got great footwork. I bet you he's a pretty good dancer out there on the dance floor. Najee Harris is, but he was able to establish those things last year a little bit with the footwork, with the making people miss the broken tackles, that kind of stuff, because he was out there in space and he was getting covered by linebackers who aren't as agile as he is. And he was able to break tackles that were cornerbacks who weren't as big as he was. If that space isn't provided because we didn't see it in the running game. He, we've only, we only saw him like last year have one or two big, huge plays. Uh, other than that, it was like a 10 or a 15 yard big play for him. And, and those are plenty, but I just don't think those opportunities are going to arise this year because he won't be in space as much. Derrick Henry coming off that injury as well. I want to bump bump him down a little bit because the receiving core isn't there like it was maybe last year with an AJ Brown, a Julio Jones on the corner. So you got to kind of respect that. Man, the Titans are going to be facing eleven guys in the box. It's going to feel like every single time for Derrick Henry this year. I just don't see a passing game that they have. They, they, their offensive side of the ball, it's like Derrick Henry and nobody else right now. Yeah, I agree. And see, this is what I was talking about earlier with when you when you look at those top three, I mean, those guys are like mm -hmm. awesome workloads. Most of them awesome, awesome offenses, pass game. They don't really have much question marks. Once you get to Najee, this is where I have. Like, I just have a huge tier of running backs, like basically from Najee all the way to like James Conner or Etienne or Brees Hall, like I, I pretty much just have all those guys lumped in because there's just question marks. Like we already mentioned Najee's question marks with Henry, the same kind of thing coming off injury, doesn't get the pass work. Dalvin, um, Dalvin, the reason he's, he's, he's above a little bit. Those guys for me is to me, he has a better offense. Um, yeah. He's been injury prone a little bit too. He's, he's been banged up because he's had a lot of like 
mounting injuries. Um, and then he he might get a little bit more pass work, but he's not like a huge pass game option. Um, so he, he that, that bumps him to in there. So he's he's probably four or five for me. And then Mixon, um, he had a great season last season, but we saw him come out uh, out of the game on third right. down so often. So he's got a pass game pass game usage question mark. I mean, you know, Swift. We have question marks about how much workload and injury. Like he's mentioned with the injury, he's been injured both years so far. He's a little bit smaller. Javante and Aaron Jones are going to be sharing, especially Javante. Uh, Barkley, obviously, we got question marks on him. There's question marks basically all throughout these. And like all these guys, I mean, you look at the guys like Fournette, guys I actually like, like Fournette, Saquon, Connor, those kind of guys. Uh, I mean, Connor and Fournette kind of feel like they have less question marks than a lot of those guys, to be honest. And no, they, no, I was, yeah, that was one of those things. You're talking about sharing workloads there. You talked about Saquon Barkley. There's nobody going to be taking his touches away. Leonard Fournette, nobody's going to be taking his touches away. And we already saw how intricate he was in the passing game last mm-hmm. season, you know, and it's, you'd imagine it's going to be a little bit more uh, with that, with uh, Godwin out right now in Tampa Bay. Exactly. Uh, so, yeah, I see what you're saying there. I, and that's what we want is volume, volume, volume. When we look at a running mm-hmm. back, not necessarily whatever we you know, what the draft position is. We want volume and we want RB1s because they're very hard to come by. Uh, James Conner is another guy. Let's look for those RB1s here. Cam Akers, I can't trust Cam Akers this year. In L.A., Same. they seem to always want to share the ball. And Daryl Henderson has always been a Sean McVay little darling. It seems like he's he's in love with Daryl Henderson a little bit on the field anyway. And, and so it's hard for me to trust a Cam Akers. I agree. And after we saw him, he I mean, he made an incredible comeback from that Achilles that quickly. Um, but he didn't look quite the same. He wasn't as efficient. And I saw a stat earlier actually about the Rams. That was like the whole running backs, all the running backs combined with only 11%. But, you know, an average team was like 18 to 20%. And like on the higher end, almost up to a third of the targets would go to running backs. Like, And so if he's only going to get, you know, 6 to 7% of the targets, like a target share, that's so low. Um, he's going to have to rely on efficiency. And we saw his efficiency dip last year. Yeah, like Akers was a guy I really, really, really liked when he, when he uh, first you know, broke out. And then that Achilles had me really turned off of him. And the fact that he doesn't get passing game, he he's like, he's below to me. He's below like guys like that are going after him, like Connor, Etienne, Brees Hall, um, even maybe Zeke. I don't know. I, I'm torn on Zeke as well, but Zeke at least has less competition, even though Tony Pollard is good, but we've, we've seen that they're just want to feed Zeke all the time. So yeah, it's it's interesting, um, but that's why a lot of the like I was saying before, a lot of these guys to me are just all in the same kind of tier. So once it gets past those first three guys, I kind of just turn my attentions to um, elite receivers and <laughs> tight ends for a little bit, and then let like and draft one of the running backs a round or two later. James Conner seems to always fall to me because I do the same thing. Mm-hmm. If I'm up there at the top, James Conner seems to always be the guy, and I I can choose between him. I can choose between. Uh, Brees Hall, David Montgomery, Ezekiel Elliott, all, all those guys right there. Uh, so if we're looking at that little tier, and let me say one more thing about Cam Akers. One of the, I think one of the reasons why I have it stuck in my head that he did pretty well whenever he came back from that injury is we saw him in that one game come back. I think what, if you think about it from a defensive coordinator standpoint, 
in a game planning standpoint, when you have him come back, and by the way, he wasn't really supposed to play that game, right? You know what I mean? Like he was going to be out there on the sideline, maybe get one or two touches. I think that's what we were reading about that he was going to be able to do. And then he took on almost a full workload in that game. I think the defensive coordinator was thinking whenever he came in the in the game, hey, they're going to pass. They're going to pass, you know, and, and they never did. And they were going to be like, OK, let's let Cam Akers beat us on one Achilles and not the other. So I think that that big game where he really, where he really exploded after he came back from injury was more of a, a defensive coordinator faux pas than it was necessarily him proving himself. Maybe he got a little bit tired in those other games, but there just wasn't the yards per attempt and everything that he had going in there. So I, I've, differ, I've, I've taken that I've taken that out of my brain, Rob. I've taken that out of my brain. Yeah. Uh, when we talk about Brees Hall, David Montgomery, Ezekiel Elliott, we, we, we like any of those guys there, third, fourth round somewhere in there if we're doing a 12-team redraft or a 10-team redraft, fifth, fifth round, we're, we're looking at those guys pretty comfortably, right? Yeah, for sure. I like. I definitely like Etienne and and uh, Brees Hall more than than the um, like Zeke and Montgomery. Um, I just think both of them being the running back, such a young position, and then not only that, but the both of them have a lot of uh, pass game catching up. So Etienne more than Brees, but Etienne, especially in the beginning of the year, uh, James Robinson probably you know, is likely not going to start the year. He should get a chance to be the full-time, full-time guy. And even when uh, James Robinson comes back, I think Etienne is just a really, really talented player, especially in the past game. Um, A lot of people have likened him to Alvin Kamara. So if he can ever see like even that kind of workload uh, where he doesn't see maybe, but eight to 10 carries, but then he sees six to eight targets a game. That's that's really really valuable. And then Brees Hall, um, we saw how highly rated he was as a prospect. How athletic he is. Um, he's going to an improved offense. And Michael Carter may may spell him a bit, but I still think Hall has a has a chance to be a workhorse. Um, I don't know if he will or not, but he um, at least has more of a chance, I think, of being an explosive workhorse than most of the guys in this area. So I kind of like those two more than okay. than the others. But I can kind of feel like for me, after like Zeke or Montgomery is where it really, really drops quickly. So I kind of want to get two of the top 20-ish, um, if possible. But let me tell you about David Montgomery just a little bit and the smoke that I see coming out of Chicago area. The the projections that a lot of Bears fans have, they're they're pounding the under win total right now. And they're they're saying that, you know, maybe four wins will be the ceiling for the Bears this year as far as a win total goes. And when you look at the schedule, when you look at the talent, they got one of the worst offensive lines in football right now, one of the worst offenses in football. When you look at their wide receiving core, you know, when when Prinkle from Kansas City last year, when he's your number two. It's, it's going to be a long season. You know what I mean? It's going to be a long season. And a new offensive system there, it's going to kind of be, the Bears are always going to be playing from behind. So do you? is David Montgomery going to be a PPR machine? Is Fields going to check down or is Fields going to run? And we know that answer, I think, a little bit. Uh, we've talked about that uh, as we talk about a quarterback who has as many physical talents as Justin Fields has. So David Montgomery might be some more warning flags there than what I like because I just can't see the Bears handing it off to him as much. And that goal line work just probably isn't going to be there very often for David Montgomery. I don't look at him as being a sleeper this year like he has been in years past, Rob. Yeah, I kind of feel the same way. Um, it's He's kind of one of those guys where 
I think he'll be he'll do enough and like as long as long as he stays healthy, he'll probably do enough that by the end of the year he'll he'll finish as a top twenty guy. Um, but like on a week to week basis, you know, he's gonna give you like RB twenty five numbers or something like that. You know, like I, I kind of feel the same way as you was where Justin Fields, he's a running, he's he's gonna take off. So how much is he gonna dump down compared to other other uh, teams, even if they're trailing? And if they're trailing, how much are they scoring? How much uh, goal line works he getting? Um, I just think he's kind of in for one of his, you know, kind of, kind of. I think he's been right around like eight to nine hundred yards rushing both years so far, and and you know, I kind of just see him being ho hum around the same kind of thing. Uh, is this guy a sleeper or not? Antonio Gibson this year is he a sleeper? Is he a number one or, or not? Oh, I'm so yes no? so down on him. Okay, so down on him. Uh, J.K. Dobbins, sleeper or not? I'm down on Dobbins because of the effect of of the run the running quarterback action, where he's not going to get a ton of pass game. But I do see big time upside because if, if that offense is awesome and he breaks off a lot of big plays, he can get a lot of touchdowns. He could be like how Mark Ingram was a few years back when that offense was insane. And yeah, Ingram was like a top ten running back based off of efficiency and touchdowns. You sound like a scared Cleveland Brown fan right now. Josh yeah. Jacobs, is he is he a sleeper or not this year? Not big on him. Not big on him. All right. I don't think there's going to be a lot of goal line work for him. They really seem to be trying to accentuate Derek Carr's prowess there in Oakland. Mm. I, uh, you know those big words I'm using. Elijah Mitchell, <laughs> San Francisco. Yes, a sleeper or no? Yes, just from the sense that there's a lot of upside. Because Shanahan offenses always, and he every time he's been healthy so far last year, he was he was really good. But um, for whatever reason, San Fran running backs they this the way they're built. And the, I mean, and like I said, I'm a guy that I'm I usually don't get worked up about the the uh, Injury. injuries and things like that. But I I would move him ahead of some of those other guys just based on upside. Um, but I'm also not expecting a full season and as, as as bad as it sounds to say but, but yeah i'm just gonna wait to pick up uh san francisco running backs off the waiver wire every other week okay? Pretty much. Just... <laughs> aj dillon sleeper or not yes yes i he's like a to me he's like the poor man's javante um where he's got the other guy stealing work and he's gonna split it but if he's if the other guy Aaron Jones, in this case, gets hurt, then Dylan instantly becomes like a top 10 running back, whereas Javante would be like top five. Everybody keeps saying, you know, Javante, Javante, Javante. I get it. I get it. I get it. Okay. No more Javante, Javante, Javante. I get it. I get it. I get it. (laughs) But AJ, when I watched Green Bay Packer games last year, and it may have just been because the Green Bay Packers were playing from ahead whenever they were playing my Bears. But I, what sticks in my mind is how much, and I think that this is true every single year that uh, the, the the head coach has been there. They seem to be a run first team. I, I know that that you got they they want to be ball control. Devontae Adams is no longer there. They kind of use that as an extension of the run game throughout the last couple of seasons because of the great connection Aaron Rodgers and Devontae had. But that is no longer there, and Aaron Rodgers isn't going to have that great connection anymore. And so I always see them as being a ball control squad. They like to keep the clock running. They like to do those things. And AJ Dillon is that big bruising back. And every time I've seen him run the ball, I've been very impressed at how. 
he can do it. They got a great run blocking scheme there. Listen, I like A.J. Dillon. I'm not going to say I'm going to move him way up there, but when I see him there, I'm not scared to take him because he is going to get a lot of that goal line work where Aaron uh, Aaron Jones is not going to get the, you know as many goal line works there as, as I think that A.J. Dillon is going to get, Rob. I like A.J. Dillon. Yeah, I can see it. Um, the one thing I will say, Aaron Jones, I don't know if it's just a product of the offensive environment or not, but he's been very efficient as a goal line runner. Um, but like you said, AJ Dillon is a monster. So like I, I would expect the same kind of thing. I'd expect AJ Dillon to be more of a goal line guy. He's been more of a grinder. I expect uh, Aaron Jones to be more of a guy that's going to see a lot of pass work. Um, he's shown how good he has been, especially with the uh, Devante gone. Um, so I do think they'll use both of them a good amount, and I think it's going to be very much similar to like a Javante Melvin Gordon type of situation where Dylan is the guy that's a little bit less valuable from a full PPR standpoint. Um, but yeah, I don't have a problem taking Dylan because you can start him on a week to week basis, and you also know like how big that upside is if Aaron Jones gets hurt. I wonder if it's not going to end up being like an AJ Dylan is like an Ezekiel Elliott and a. Uh, Aaron Jones is more like a Tony Pollard this year. That's what I'm kind of at this. Clyde Edwards Hilaire, the running back room has kind of cleared out. I know they got a new little weapon there, a new little toy there in Ronald Jones Jr. And they did sign the, 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 the big playoff guy who is, what was his name? Oh, McKinnon. 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 So I know, but I think that he's going to be, you know, he's a solid vet. So they're going to kind of save him for the end of the year. Maybe is what I'm thinking. Unless, of course, their end of the year comes pretty quick because they're owing something. If they keep lo- if they lose games, uh, I don't know what to expect out of Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, but maybe he lives up to that draft potential. He he seemed to be pretty explosive whenever he had an opportunity to play last couple of seasons. Yeah, he's an interesting one because we saw how how big they drafted him early, and he's in an awesome offense. And I think he was kind of misplaced as like being a workhorse. I don't know if he's ever going to be that kind of guy or not, but. He could be involved in passing game. Um, the funny part about it is that, that his his weakness has been the passing game in terms of just how much work he's going to get there. Because when you play with Mahomes, like the thing that people failed to realize when he came out of college, and I did the same kind of thing, was oh, you go into a great offense, you could be the workhorse, you play all three downs, and in a, in a Mahomes offense, he's going to get all these all these pass work and everything else. But if you look at Mahomes, he doesn't check down a lot. I mean, he. he he throws the deep ball a lot. He throws, um, you know, mid-range, you know, 15, 20 yards over the middle to to uh, Kelsey a ton. He, he, he breaks the pocket and ra- kind of scrambles a little bit. He doesn't really check down a whole lot. He's trying to make plays happen. Um, and that's the magic of, of Mahomes. I mean, you see it all the time. He breaks out of the pocket and makes things happen. Um, so the fact that everyone was expecting ceh to get all this like pass work and now you see like that's just not the tendency of mahomes i mean it, it, i'm kind of like down on ceh because i do think rojo could steal some work and i do think um that mahomes isn't going to check down to him a lot and and uh mckinnon may be a little bit more involved in the passing game if they do i mean i don't really know what to expect out of ceh um because there's so such a wide range of outcomes like you said he could be could be great and I mean, then he could be in a three-way split where he's getting the least valuable touches. So it's well, like, sorry, I thought you were done. Uh, when, no, I look, <laughs> when I look at Elijah Mitchell, AJ Dillon, Clyde Edwards, Hilaire, Damian Harris, Kenneth Walker, but Devin Singletary, Miles Sanders, Tony Pollard, 
there's only one person that jumps out at me as somebody who is the RB1 on their team, and that is Damian Harris. I know that he has, you know, Ramondre Stevenson breathing down his neck a little bit, but I, I think that Damian Harris got a tremendous amount of work last season. He got a tremendous amount of goal line work. I'm not even worried about Damian, Damian Harris's workload because they still don't have any wide receivers in New England, Rob. I, Damian Harris is an RB1. <laughs> yeah, I know. I remember um, talking with you a little bit about Damian Harris. I'm always torn on on Patriots running backs because they seem to like have def- very defined roles like like they they used you know for a long time it was like the combination of of uh James White and LeGarrette Blunt and it was like very defined roles and and um Damian Harris seems to be that grinder role where he's like getting a lot of the carries um he doesn't get a lot of the pass work and so I've always kind of avoided there was Sony Michelle was like that before too and I've always kind of avoided those guys um I do think he, he has value in, in certain formats, certain builds. And I do agree with you, like out of these guys, he has kind of the most secure role of touches. Um, I think Elijah Mitchell is kind of in a similar, similar kind of way where it may not be a lot of uh, pass work, but should p- see a lot of the early down work. Um, so, but I, I understand why people would take him, And especially if you're taking like, if you're, if you do a build where you, take like elite QB, elite tight end, a lot of wide receivers early, and you need to just get get yes. work from your running backs. He's like a perfect guy at this yes. point to draft a running back late and plug in as your as your RB one or two, depending, you know, where you're at with your other positions. But okay. um if you take running backs early, I don't like taking him a ton because I don't see a huge path to upside. Whereas like if I already have secured my RB one and two, my weekly starters I'm at this point. I'd be shooting for upside. And I'd be get, going for like guys like Pollard or Kareem Hunt. Where if the guys go down, you're talking about a, a monster. Maybe, but we've yeah. seen Kareem Hunt in that role before. We've seen Kareem Hunt in that role before, and mm-hmm. yes, he's excelled sometimes. But last year, over the last couple of times, I think he, when he given that opportunity, Kareem Hunt has not excelled in there. It may have been weather conditions uh, a little bit playing a factor in those Cleveland Brown games, if I remember true, correctly. True. Another guy, I don't understand this ADP stuff, Rob. We we were like over an hour already, Rob. What are we doing? Uh, another guy here, <laughs> I don't understand. Kenneth Walker the third going over Rashad Penny. There's no injury for Rashad Penny right now. Rashad Penny has expo- – I mean, when you looked at his proliferate stats, did I say that right? When you look at the underlying stats for what he did whenever he had the playing time at the end of the year in Seattle, off the charts, man. Off the charts, Rashad Penny. Kenneth Walker is not going to stroll in there and take Rashad Penny out of that role. He, Penny has been waiting to get this opportunity. Chris Carson can't be found right now, I don't think, in, in any kind of Seattle camps. This is Rashad Penny's job. This Kenneth Walker doesn't have any business being drafted ahead of Rashad Penny, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. Um, it's kind of kind of baffling to me because it sounds like Penny's going to be the guy to start the year at least. I know everyone's basically just like Penny's going to get hurt Um, and that's why everyone's just writing him off and they're like Penny's going to get hurt Kenneth Walker's going to steal steal work and then Kenneth Walker is going to be the workhorse when when Penny gets hurt. What happened? I mean my question to them is what happens if it's the reverse? What I mean what happens if if Kenneth Walker gets hurt and Penny is the guy that stays healthy? I mean there's that's the thing is like 
Ken, everyone just assumes Kenneth Walker is going to stay healthy. I mean, he hasn't even been in the NFL yet. Who's to say he's going to stay healthy? I so it's 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 kind of baffling me. And, I, and the thing is, I don't even dislike Kenneth Walker. It's just the situation. I mean, we're the the Scott Fishbowl draft uh, mock draft I just did. Kenneth Walker went in the eighth round, and I I actually took Penny at the end of the tenth round. So, I mean, <laughs> I don't understand it to be honest. I mean. I, I would have them like I'd probably have Penny above Kenneth Walker just straight up, let alone two round difference. Me too. All right, looking down here, I want to mention a couple of sleepers. You, you could uh, pop off some sleepers here. Not really RB ones. We can't. We're not looking for any kind of RB ones there. I thought I found one in Rashad Penny. I think I found one in Damian Harris here towards the end of these guys uh, draft being drafted around thirty two, uh, the thirty mark anyway, somewhere in that neighborhood. Cordero Patterson, I don't have any interest in him. I don't think that he's an RB1. Um, when I look at Melvin Gordon, we know what he is in a timeshare there. Uh, if I keep looking down here, I don't find any RB1s. But somebody I do see that I just I, – I absolutely love, and I love taking him in drafts, and I don't understand why he's being drafted in that 51 mark, Rob, is J.D. McKissick. His role hasn't changed. If anything, Antonio Gibson is on the outs more in Washington than anything else. And they're going to be throwing the ball around a lot. Maybe it's the Carson Wentz factor, but I, I just, I see a clear path for JD McKissick still being a guy who gets a lot of touches in the passing game in Washington. And I can see him getting 15 PPR points a week for me in certain weeks. Right. Right. Yeah. He's the kind of guy, he's the same kind of thing as to me. He's like, basically the same but opposite as Damian Harris in the sense that you're going to pick him in the same kind of build. Like if you need a, if you need a running back to plug in and you haven't gotten many running backs so far, um, he's a kind of guy. There's not a ton of upside because he's never, even if guys get hurt, he's not going to be the guy that um, we've seen what his role is. We know he's the pass catching back. We know even when guys get hurt, he's not going to be the guy they plug in as a workhorse. So if you're not if you're if you need guys to plug in and you've taken a lot of other positions early, he's the perfect kind of guy in a PPR format. Now, if you're if you've already taken three, four running backs and, and all of them pretty early, he may not be the best guy to take. I'd rather shoot for upside of my bench. But that's again, it's it's a it's purely just a build standpoint. And um, I do agree with you, like his his role should be fairly s similar. I mean. Brian Robinson they brought in, but that's to me that's going to eat more into Antonio Gibson's workload. Um, so yeah, McKissick should still be the pass catching back. He should should still get you know have those have those solid PPR weeks. And if you need a running back to plug in, he's a perfect kind of streamer guy or or guy to draft late if you need. Yeah, he's he's a white running back from. Uh, New England, whatever, James White. James White is who uh, he, he is in my head nowadays. Marlon Mack is being drafted 57. Guess what, Rob? Damian Pierce is being drafted 41. Who? You said Damian Pierce. That's who I said. Damian Pierce, Rob. He, yeah. you know, he's being drafted way ahead of Marlon Mack. Marlon Mack is a veteran in a young offense with a young quarterback uh, that likes to, in years past anyway, this, this, this franchise likes to lean on veteran running backs. I mean, you think about all the guys they brought in there, and Rex Burkhead is is not going to beat out of Marlon Mack, I don't think. Rex Burkhead is a kind of gimmicky guy. I'm not going to see a lot of passing attempts for Marlon Mack, but I, I just I'm not going to I'm not going to draft a unproven Damian Pierce over a Marlon Mack at this point of the draft. Yeah, I can understand it. Um, I I'm very down on Marlon Mack. I'll be honest because 
just because um, I used to I used to really like him. Um, and then he's had some major injuries and he wasn't a pass catching guy to begin with. I do think he's a similar kind of guy, though, where he's a guy down here with you. If you look at the guys around him, he's probably going to see more work than the guys around him. So if you need if you need touches, you need guy about out on the field, go for it. Um, I'm not big on Damian Pierce either, uh, to be honest. Um, I do think Marlon Mack and Damian Pierce should be a lot closer in, in value. So I, I would definitely draft Mack more at his ADP than Pierce. I guess the the reason I can see so the reason I think people are taking Pierce ahead is because they feel like the unknown has more upside um, than Mack, who we've seen in the NFL so far, and we've seen him be solid. And he was solid before injury, and then he come he's come back, and he you know has just been kind of middling. So there, people are just kind of hoping Damian Pierce takes the takes the job and runs with it. Um, but I, I just, I don't see that happening either. So I agree with you. Like if you're going to take a Houston running back, I would take, I would take Mac at ADP over, over, uh, Pierce. Yeah, no, t- totally. And here, I mean, listen to this. Listen, I, I got this on, listen, hear that? I heard it. You know, you know what that is? That's people pounding the table last year. For Trey Sermon, who is all the way down here at 69 for San Francisco. You know, you talk about somebody with upside last year, they're still pounding the table for it for last year, and it never came to fruition. I wonder if Trey Sermon is one of those guys, you know, just a just a long shot kind of a guy, because all those San Francisco running backs, we know he had the physical talents and everything like that. I am not drafting, I'm not like saying reach for this guy or anything like that, but boy, that's something right there. That's that, uh, what do you think about all those running back upsides that people have and how angry they get and how upset they get and how passionate passionate they get over the draft position trey sermon is being drafted the 69th running back off the is that right 69 69 running back off the board yeah yep yeah, 68th on mine but yeah right around there yeah that that's that's funny just to watch that to see how it goes all right rob that's it that we can't talk about running backs anymore you're gonna have <laughs> me talking about snoop connor for jacksonville here pretty soon i don't want to <laughs> know right? <laughs> exactly hey, we're getting yeah, we are. We are. That's where I end up living is down here at the bottom uh, off the waiver wires is in desperation is what I end up doing, Rob. <laughs> hey, great job. A lot of names, a lot of talk right there. Thank you for all the information on the fishbowl. Look forward to talking more about these things over the next couple of weeks. Be prepared to help me make my third round pick next week at some point, Rob. Third and fourth round pick next week. I'm going to be sweating like a madman next week is what I'm going to be doing. Worried about because <laughs> I, I, I look, think about my draft. The, the time lapse is going to be I don't know what's going to end up happening. I hope my phone doesn't die as we try to do those things. But good job, Rob. I appreciate all your help. Thanks for having me, Wes. It's a it's a blast every week and yeah, I'll be looking forward to uh, you know, helping you out. You have to you have to help me out a little bit too and and uh although like I said, I'll be in the, I'll be in the live draft so I don't know how much how much uh how much consulting I'll be able to do. It might be a little bit faster paced. Uh so we'll see we'll see how that turns out Saturday, but it should be fun. Just just remember two words, Rob. Joe Flacco. Just remember Joe Flacco. <laughs> hey, uh, follow Rob. Got him on the board. At, Got him on the board. <laughs> at Nord0723 over there on Twitter. You can follow me as well at Loafin. Don't forget to follow the show at FI Today with a little underscore. We have a lot of fun here on the Fantasy Impact Today Network, and we appreciate Scott Fish for putting on such a great event with the Scott Fish Bowl. And we always want to encourage everybody to find a way to make a positive impact in somebody's life today. 